All right, um, Mountain View, uh, it's been, I don't know, three, four, five, I've lost track. Um, uh, but uh, we have had the pleasure uh, in the summer once a year uh, to have the director of NWCEA share with us. He does a great job preaching. He loves God, loves church, uh, spends his life at it. And so can we give a Mountain View welcome to Sean Tomei? Oh, good morning, church. How are we doing? I am so excited to be here with you this morning because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to share with you some things with the NWCA and also just share what uh, God's put on my heart uh, to, with you this morning. But normally, uh, Pastor Tom invites me to come and speak when all the men are up at man camp. And so I feel like I've been upgraded today. So he's like, hey, Sean, will you come and speak with us? And guess what? It's not man camp weekend. So I, I, I get to be with all of you this morning. So it's so good to be here with you this morning. I absolutely love your pastor and love this church. God is doing some amazing things in this church, isn't he? I love it. It's so good. Um, I am the... Um, Executive Director of uh, the NWCA, and our vision really is this. We want to see Jesus Christ exalted, King of kings, Lord of lords. We want to see the kingdom of God expand, especially here in the Northwest where it is just really unchurched, really hard ground for people to come and to know and accept Jesus. Really, we have three goals that we're going after right now. Number one, we want to come alongside and do whatever we can just to encourage our pastors uh, I think I've shared with you before, as I've been with you, that over 1,500 pastors quit their job every month across our nation, mainly due to discouragement. And so we feel like God is giving us the opportunity just to come alongside our pastors and say, how are you doing? How, how are you and your family doing? How can we pray for you and just encourage you to keep doing what God is calling you to do? So uh, church, I know you do a great job with that with your pastoral staff and leadership, but I want to encourage you to keep encouraging them to keep leading uh, into God's ways. Amen? Secondly, we exist to help equip leaders, and uh, really what we're asking God to do is we want to see a movement of discipleship take place. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to see disciples being made that are going to make disciples that are going to make disciples that are going to make disciples, because we believe that when people make disciples, healthy churches are uh, just born. And so we're excited about that. But also, we, uh, we get the opportunity to help start new churches in the area as well. As some of you know, uh, years ago, um, NWCA actually helped start uh, Mountain View Christian Church in partnership with other churches. And uh, we are so grateful for the, the work that God is doing in you and through you. This church has been a longtime, faithful, supporting, loving church to the NWCA, and we're so grateful for that. But let me just give you a quick uh, background on why we're doing what we're doing. And you may have heard me share some of this before, uh, but let me just remind us that when we, when we take a step back and, and do a 30,000-foot view and we take a look at America, we see that America is the fourth largest non-Christian country outside of China, India, and Indonesia, where 51% of Americans are considered to be post-Christian. When I say post-Christian, I mean that there is no under understanding of the biblical narrative of what's in this book. 
literally people have no idea. One out of two people in America have no idea that there's a God who sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have a, a, a deep, intimate, personal relationship with him and pursue a life of abundance. In, in addition to that, no county in America has seen a greater church attendance today than it did a year ago. And uh, 80% of churches, 8 out of 10 churches, are either in decline, dying, or plateauing, with 4,000 to 6,000 churches, depending on who you read, uh, are, are closing their doors for the very last time. And so there's a need in America, to continue to bring Jesus back to the forefront. You may have heard uh, the, the term unaffiliated or uh, people identifying themselves as nuns, uh, not N-U-N-S as in the Catholic Church nuns, but as an N-O-N-E-S, meaning they don't affiliate with anything. They don't believe in anything. They don't want to be labeled in any way. If you look at the trend that's taken place over America in 1990, 8% of our population declared unaffiliated or none. Nearly 10 uh, years later, 2001, 14% of the population declared themselves as none. And in 2014, in America, 23% declared none or unaffiliated. Uh, uh, just zoom in now, in, now to the northwest in Oregon. Oregon is 31% declaring as unaffiliated or nuns. So America, in general, 23%. Oregon is um, 31%. And I, I think that we're the second highest affiliated state in the nation outside of Vermont in Northeast. And then if you break it down by county, in Clark County, 71% of the population declare, the, declare themselves as unaffiliated. Multnomah County, 64% unaffiliated. Um, uh, Washington County, 69%. So sometimes we get the question, why? Why are you starting more churches? And this is the reason why. We want to come alongside, encourage the pastors, equip the local church to keep doing what she's doing, and we want to start new, uh, new churches so that we continue to reach new people for Jesus and make disciples. Amen? So three churches, real quick, um, that, that we're partnering with right now. Um, first of all is Sam and Kelsey Wake Movement Church. There is a group of, um, uh, of four families that left Newburgh, Indiana. Not Newburgh, Oregon, but Newburgh, Indiana. Made the 2,000-mile truck over to southeast Portland so that they could bring a gospel presence to a city that has less than 7% involvement in some type of religious activity. And so we're excited about what God is doing with Sam and Kelsey Wake there at Movement Church. The NWCA gets to partner with other church planting organizations. The Christian Evangelists Association is one of those um, uh, organizations that we get to partner with and just to see how more people can come to know Jesus. The other church that we're partnering with with the CEA is Generations Church up in Salmon Creek up past Vancouver. Um, Kyle and Ruth Davies, they moved from Kentucky to come here to the Northwest so that they can help start a church there in Salmon Creek, and they get ready to launch in October. And I'm very stoked and very excited about the fact that God is bringing people from Newburgh, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky, but I'm also excited about God raising people up here in Oregon to plant churches in Oregon as well. 
And so our newest church that we get to be part of right now that the NWCA is, is in the process of launching is called the Bridge Church. And this is with Bob and Stephanie um, Excuse me, Bob and Stephanie Johnson, I'm going to ask them to come up here and just share a little bit about what God is doing as they are getting ready to launch their church in the month of October. So I was just so excited for you to hear a little bit more about what God is doing. So Bob and Stephanie, take it away. Well, thank you. It's uh, honestly an honor to be here. I, um, I'm an Oregonian. I grew up here. I was born here. Uh, I grew up <laughs> Right? One of the few. Uh, I grew up uh, at Lake Grove Christian Church, and uh, that was my home church where my parents came to know Jesus Christ, and uh, my family was a broken family on the verge of really being broken, and uh, they began a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and, and God unified our family, and, and my sisters and I, we all went into ministry in some form or, or the other. I've been in ministry for uh, just about 30 years, uh, being mostly the lead pastor in churches in various areas, but coming home about 15 years ago, was exquisite for me to come back to really the mission field. I feel like God called me to, called us to uh, so many years ago. And to be home and to be able to do this is quite the honor. In Wilsonville, you'll notice he, he, uh, he skipped over Clackamas County. You notice that. Uh, Clackamas County is actually uh, the least in the state of Oregon. The most people are unaffiliated with any sort of religion or relationship with Jesus Christ. It is quite the mission field. Um, in fact, we had uh, a few months ago uh, a group of people come and pray in various communities. And when they got done praying in Wilsonville, which is where the bridge is being planted, um, it was noted significantly that the spiritual warfare that they felt in Wilsonville was extreme compared to anywhere else in the Portland metro area. And uh, to be very honest, we've really experienced that and, mm -hmm. and felt that and see that. However, we know that there's a need. And the bridge, the focus of the bridge is to bridge families. And I loved the story this morning, right, mm -hmm. from a worship team, to bridge families that are broken and that are busy to learn to live intentionally in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we're excited about that. We start in October. We've already started worship gatherings in a very unique place. And we didn't intend to end up here, but this is where God chose, I believe, for us to land for a while. I'm going to let my wife, Stephanie, kind of tell you a little bit about that story. Mm -hmm. So the, um, Bob and I on a Sunday, you know, w the biggest thing is where are you going to meet? So on uh, one Sunday way back um, uh, the beginning of the year, we drove around on a Sunday after church and we thought, well, this is a good time to kind of see where other churches are meeting, whether, you know, we, we know the physical buildings like Mountain View, but there are several that are meeting in other places like schools and whatnot. So we drove around and we w went one full circle around the whole city. And right as we get to the very tail end of our drive, we end up in what we consider the hub of, of uh, Wilsonville, which is right in the... Um, Fred Meyer parking lot because everybody's got to go to the grocery store and that's pretty much the only one that's there in Wilsonville and um, there's a McMinimins and what's really cool about McMinimins is when Fred Meyer decided to go into the shopping center um, there was an old church on the property um, actually it's called the old church of Wilsonville um, that started was established in the late 1800s and had been vacant for many 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 years and 
you know, rocks thrown through the window and whatnot. Well, McMinimins decided to come along like they do with old schools and whatnot, and they, they bought the property, and they acquired this church and made it part of their restaurant. So they used the church as a venue, and um, so... Uh, when we were driving around, we were actually looking at some property next door, and I, I, I caught a glimpse of the church, and I said, you know, McMenamins uses that as a venue, and wouldn't it be cool to turn the old church back into a church? <laughs> so, yeah, we had a conversation mm -hmm. with them uh, 24 hours later, and they came back really quickly and said, we would be honored. We would love for this church to be turned back into a church. Yeah. So... The stories out of that have been unique and have been encouraging, and even to take a secular company like McMenamins, if you've been there, that's not a Christian company. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you go in there to hear their story, to be excited about hosting us, uh, they uh, bend over backwards to help uh, this church uh, become a solid church uh, start in Wilsonville. So we're excited about that. And with that, our founding verse, kind of our guiding light, is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I want to read that for you because obviously it's a great thing for all of us, right? For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We believe in all of our hearts that God has prepared not only us, but you as well to do God's handiwork in Gresham, in Wilsonville, in Vancouver, and in Southeast Portland. And we are blessed to be part of the organization NWCEA that's planting three churches in the fall. And I got to tell you, I have 40 years of history in the Christian church in Oregon. I don't ever remember that. And you're part of that history because you're one of those plants too years and years ago. So we're excited to be a part of it. We ask for your prayers. You can learn more about what's happening with our churches and even get to meet us. And maybe learn how to partner with us if you choose, just outside the lobby. So thank you for having us. God bless. Can we just take a minute to pray over these guys? Yeah, Father God, we are so excited about the work that you are doing. Uh, just not only here in Gresham, but really all around the Northwest. God, we, we desire to see your kingdom come. Father, we pray for people who are lost. We pray for disciples to be made. We pray for churches to be planted. But right now, God, we're asking specifically for your wisdom, your direction, your provision over the bridge. Uh, we just pray over Bob and Stephanie and their family. And God, we pray for the people of Wilsonville. Uh, may more people come to know you because of what you are doing right there in Wilsonville. And Father, as we dive into your word uh, this morning, I pray that you would encourage our hearts by reminding us of our identity that's found in you, Jesus, and would you help us to fight for unity so that the world may believe in Jesus Christ, our King and our Lord. And we ask this in his name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. <clears throat> Isn't that exciting, what God's doing there? So I would encourage you, um, Bob and Stephanie will be back there. We have a booth back there, and you can uh, get more involved, and you can learn how to pray for them, learn how to um, just partner with them and see what's going on. You can also follow us on a variety of ways uh, through uh, social media, uh, Instagram at NWCA, Facebook at NWCA, and our website as well. 
So thank you for letting me just share with that. And as you did hear Bob and Stephanie share, you are part of that because you are supporting the NWCEA as well as Church of the City, which you have faithfully supported as well, downtown Portland. They too are partners with the bridge, and they are helping to partner and plant this church as well. So God's doing some amazing things, yes? Well, um, uh, uh, you're going to have to have your Bibles with you this morning, and uh, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, I've got so much on my heart to share with you, and I have little time to do it, so I'm going to do my best, and just we're going to fly through some stuff. But this morning um, and this week, I've been praying specifically that God would just encourage you as a family of God, as a body of Christ, and I'm asking you, as I've been asking all the other churches here in 2019, if you would be willing to pick a fight with me for Jesus. I know that sounds weird, right? But as you understand the context where we're going, we must pick a fight with, um, uh, with uh, Jesus for the sake of the unity in the body of Christ. So, so Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. There is a thief out there. He is wanting to kill and to steal and to destroy. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against whom? The devil's schemes. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there is an enemy, and there is a battle, and the devil does have schemes. First Peter chapter 5 tells you and I, be alert and of sober mind, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is an enemy trying to destroy the unity of the body of Christ. If I was the devil, I know that's a weird thought, but if I was the devil, I would do my very best to discourage you. If I could bring discouragement into your life, then maybe I could stop you from doing what Jesus has called you to do. If I was the devil, I would try to have you doubt in who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing and what he promises to continue to do in the future. If I could just put a little seed of doubt in your mind and in your heart, then maybe I could stop you from doing the things that Jesus calls you to do. I would try to distract you from, from being actively involved within the mission of Jesus. If I could get you to take your eyes off of Jesus and put your eyes on something else, that I could destroy the body of Christ. I would do my very best to disconnect you from Jesus and from one another as the body of Christ. I mean, just imagine if, if, if the devil was able to prevent you from spending quality time with Jesus and disconnect you from one another as the family of God. Imagine how much success he could have. But finally, if I was the devil, I would do whatever I could to destroy the unity of the body of Christ. Because if I could destroy this, then, then, then there's victory for the enemy. Listen, church, if, if, if you were going to be a church that is actively pursuing affecting life change through belonging and growing and serving, we have to be willing to fight for the unity of the body of Christ. Amen? 
So as a family of God, I am asking you to make every effort to fight for the unity of God's church so that you and I can live out the mission that Jesus has called us to live out. And so what I'd like to do is start in the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at the family of God. And then we're going to look at this idea of what it means to fight for unity and then, thirdly, to live out the mission of Jesus. So Ephesians chapter 2, just a beautiful book. Paul's writing to Ephesus, and he's reminding them of their identity in Christ and reminding them of the gift that comes from being a child of God and being in Christ. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. The Apostle Paul says for this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul basically saying to the the church in Ephesus. Listen, all of us, men, women, every single one of us at one time, we were just going off and doing our own thing. Every single one of us in this room are sinners. But he goes on to say, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through your faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Paul says, listen, before coming into Christ, all of us were sinners. But because of God's great love and mercy and kindness, when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we are now saints in Jesus Christ. All of us are on the same level, the same playing field, and unity begins by looking to the cross and to see what Jesus has done for us. And you heard Bob and Stephanie share this, and it says, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared for us in advance. I, I don't know if I told you the story last time, but uh, maybe a year ago I asked my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, I said, would you go and uh, just paint my Bible? And so she took my Bible and she went and just, she painted on the front cover a, a wave and a sunset and the little dude surfing. I'm assuming that's me. And then she painted a cross on the back. And then once she brought it back to me, I said, I'm so excited about what you, you know, painted on my Bible. And I just, I, I want to remind you, and I showed her Ephesians 2, I want to remind you that God's word says you, you are a handiwork. You are a masterpiece. You are a child of God. You've been created to him to do good works. And church, you and I must be reminded that our identity comes from being in Jesus. 
That's what brings us united together is that we understand what God has done, what God is doing, and who we are in Jesus. When we look to this word, we're, we're reminded that you and I have been purchased by the blood of Christ. We've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. We've been purified by the blood of Christ. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We've been washed in the blood of Christ. We've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, and we're being sanctified by the blood of Christ. In addition to that, we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, and we've been brought into the kingdom of God. Therefore, we have been bought with Christ. We've been included with Christ. We've been made alive with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We've been seated with Christ. Therefore, you and I are a brand new creation in Christ. As if the old has gone and the new has come, you and I are now God's possessions. We are his children, his elect, his beloved, his heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We are his temple. We are his ambassadors. We are his witnesses. Church, you and I are God's handiwork, his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This, this is what brings us to unity in Jesus. Unity takes place when we understand what God has done for us in Christ and who we are in Christ and why we exist as Jesus' followers. Unity begins by understanding that we're part of the family of God, but then that's where the battle begins, and you and I must be willing to step in, fight for the unity. Ephesians chapter 4, two chapters over to your right. The Apostle Paul continues his thought process, starting in chapter 4, verses 1. He says, listen, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. Did you hear what Paul said? We have to be willing to fight with love. I, I love this. This wasn't planned, um, but then in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, which just happens to be up on the wall this morning. Thanks, Tom, for making that happen. But the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians goes on to say, and I'm just reading from the back of your bulletin then, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive, and above all these... What's it say, church? Put on love. And watch what love does. It binds them everything together in what? Perfect harmony. In perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called into one body. The only way for us to fight in the unity, for the unity of the body of Christ, church, is if you and I begin to love one another as God has loved us. 
When you look through the scriptures, it's very clear how we are to put on love with one another. We are to serve one another, accept one another, strengthen one another, help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, build trust with one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, be interested in one another, be accountable to one another, confess our sins to one another, live in harmony with one another, don't be conceited towards one another, don't pass judgment on one another. Don't slander one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Admonish one another. Spur on one another towards love and good deeds. Meet up with one another. Agree with one another. Be concerned for one another. Be humble towards one another in love. Be compassionate towards one another. Don't be consumed by one another. Don't be angry with one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't grumble towards one another. Give preference to one another. Be at peace with one another. Sing to one another. Be of the same mind to one another. Comfort one another. Be kind to one another. Live in peace with one another and carry one another's burdens. You and I, if we're going to fight for the unity in the body of Christ, we must be willing to to put on love which binds them perfectly together in unity. The church, the body of Christ, should be the only community that's known on 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 this planet that it's known for its unconditional love towards one another. Forgiveness, acceptance, encouragement. The church should be the one place that the world just goes, oh my goodness, that's crazy. That doesn't make sense to me. I love the vision that God has placed on Bob and Stephanie's heart. Did you hear the, the vision? To help bridge broken people into an intentional life with Jesus. The church is the place where people can come up all messed up and they're welcomed with arms wide open. That is what you and I must be willing to fight for. And lastly, we do that. Why? We're part of the family of God. We fight for the mission of God. Uh, we, We fight for the unity so that we can live out the mission that Jesus gave to us to go and make disciples into all of the world. Turn your Bibles to John John 17. John 17, it's this uh, prayer that Jesus is sharing with his disciples. And in this prayer, uh, it's broken into three spots, three different categories. Jesus is praying first and foremost for God to be glorified in verse 1. He says, Father, the hour has now come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life all to those that you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they would know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So Jesus is like, God, would you just, would you just be glorified in my life? Secondly, he begins to pray for his disciples, for his apostles. Uh, and v- verse 9, he says, I-, I pray for them, meaning the disciples. And I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all that you have is mine and glory has come to me. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. So Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Did you catch the prayer of Jesus? Jesus. 
Father, would you be glorified and would you protect them and would you help them to be united just like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are completely, perfectly connected and united? Would you help them be totally united as one as we are one? Verse 15, my prayer is not that you actually take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am of it, but sanctify them by their truth, because your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, now I am sending them into the world. Jesus moves from praying for God to be glorified, and then praying for the disciples to be one. And then, crazy thought, Jesus prays for you and for me. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Are you ready? Here it is, church. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you catch that? Jesus is praying for you and I to be perfectly united in love together so that the unbelieving world may know that there is a Jesus who laid down his life for the sins of the world. Do you realize the, the, the very first evangelistic strategy that Jesus put into his church was the unity of the family? I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't that a beautiful prayer request? I had the chance to drive down to Oregon State University and be at uh, Christ and Youth Move Conference. You guys had a handful of students there. Um, and uh, uh, on, on Wednesday night, they do this alternative Christmas program. I, and so it was a big Christmas program. It was kind of weird. But um, your group, I don't know if you've heard about this yet or not, but your group, um, I don't know what, 13, 15 of them? 14 students, they all got up to this song. I think it was the, the, the church clap, okay? Um, and they all got up, and then they started kind of like doing this stuff, right? But it just wasn't one of them. You guys are like, please stop dancing, Sean, okay? So it wasn't just one of them. It was 14 of them perfectly in unity together just doing this. And I was thinking, there it is, God. There's the picture. Everyone in perfect unity doing this so that the world may believe. This should blow the mind of the non-believing world when they see that the church, the body of Christ, is completely united together. The only way that you and I can do that is if you and I are willing to keep our eyes focused in on Jesus Please don't focus your eyes on a pastor or on a group of elders because if they already haven't done it, they will let you down. Don't focus your eyes on a small group leader, a rooted leader, a brother and sister in Christ. There's only one who is the author and perfecter of our faith, and that is Jesus. 
let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Meaning, don't give up for the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So church, land the plane right here. What are you doing to intentionally fix your eyes upon Jesus? How does God want to use you to fight for unity in the body of Christ so that the world may know who Jesus is? Three takeaways for you if you're taking notes. First, pray. I, I, I can't think of any other more powerful way for us to begin to work towards unity except by you and I just going and spending time with Jesus and praying for unity. Proactively, and then if you find yourself in some type of conflict, then my encouragement for you would be first and foremost, go and pray. And just ask God, would you help me to seek unity? Would you help me to know what my responsibility is in seeking unity? And then decide to go from there. So first we begin to pray. Secondly, practice. Isn't that a great word? Practice. See, the idea of practice is that you and I are part of the family of God, and you're messed up, and I'm messed up, but we're saved by a perfect one who's bringing us together in unity. And so what that means is we give grace and mercy to one another as we practice with one another. And that may mean that you need to go and apologize to someone or that you need to ask someone um, you know, uh, for them to forgive you. But we, we, we practice with one another in the body of Christ. I'll tell you what we don't do and what we see the world doing right now in the church as we are watching thousands of Christians leave the church. They're throwing their arms up and saying, I'm done. And instead of fighting for the unity in the body of Christ, they're walking away. And the world's going, what's so different about you? So let's be willing to practice. My son and I are getting into the hobby of riding motorcycles. Mom's thrilled about it. Right? So I, I saw a couple bikers out there this morning, and I walked over and like saw a Honda Gold, Goldwing. Yeah, okay. And so I, and I've never ridden bikes, so I'm, I'm driving down the street. I'm feeling awesome, this Honda Rebel, you know, all dressed up, you know, it's fantastic. And I'm sitting at the light, and all of a sudden, I just stall it out. Like, oh. And then you get people behind you going, come on, honking their horn. And I'm like, dude, I'm learning. I'm practicing, right? And it's just, it's just like... In the body of Christ, it's like, dude, I'm practicing becoming more like Jesus. Would you give me grace and forgiveness and mercy, and I'll extend the same thing to you? That's what the church should be known for. We're not perfect people, but we're practicing. We pray, we practice, and then we participate. We participate with what God is already doing in the mission of God. He's already at work in this place, participate. It is difficult for the church to live out her mission if there's just a few people that are actually doing the mission. So begin to participate. God, how do you want me to bring unity to the body of Christ? How do you want to use my time and talents and treasures and resources in order to edify and to build the body of Christ? And then how do you want to use me as you have sent me into the world? Because I guarantee you, Jesus is working on your neighbor. Jesus is working on your coworker. Jesus is working on your students. Jesus is working on your friends. Jesus is working through your teachers. Jesus is working in your workplace. 
All we get to do is just simply step in and participate with what he is doing. So church, I'm asking you, as the family of God, we must make every effort to fight for the unity of God's church so that we can live out his mission, so that we can see more and more and more people come to Jesus. Amen? Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our identity in him. Thank you for making us part of the family. Father, thank you for uh, just this church family. Thank you for the brothers and sisters in here. Thank you for the work that you have them doing. Father, I would pray this morning that you would just love on them. And as you love on them, would you just continue to encourage them to practice unity with one another? And would you give them the opportunity to participate with you both here within the church and outside on your mission? And Father, I pray for protection over the enemy. And God, that you would do immeasurably more than this church can even think or imagine, not by their power, but by your power, and not for their glory, but God, for your glory and your glory alone. God, would you use us this week? Would you help these words not just to fall on deaf ears, but now would you just send us into obedience? We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen.